Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast, the Thanksgiving Eve episode. Tonight, you're going to pop on this podcast while you're getting ready to go to that bar in your hometown and see a bunch of people from your high school. Is that is, is that your guys' Thanksgiving Eve experience because it's often been mine or like back in the day it was mine and that's over for me now and I'm really happy about it. But I think a lot of people do that still. I hated that part of my life. In fact, I have a story and some of my friends from high school can attest to this and it comes up every now and then and I glare daggers at them. So I always hated that. I hated running into people in high school. Like, I don't know. I just didn't love it. It was not my vibe. I just wanted to But you to did do it. You I did, didn't you did. I didn't mean to do it. So But you engage it's it's a it's a it's a part of it's a human experience thing. It's like going out on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and like running to people you don't want to see. Like it's, it's But like I didn't want It's kind that. of a universally Yeah, no one wants it. So well, some people might Well, actually. in this in this particular instance, I specifically said, I am not leaving my sweatpants and they all wanted to watch I think it was like a hockey game. They're like, you know what? We're not. We're gonna go somewhere we know where all of the reunions are. We're not gonna go anywhere by those. We're just gonna go to a quiet sports bar so we can watch the game. You can come in your sweatpants. We're just having a few beers. We're gonna have some like I don't know appetizers. Watch hockey. You'll be fine. And I get there in my sweatpants, looking like a bum, and lo and behold, it is the a, hottest like, guy in the world. No, it is like the our hottest guy. Five, I showed up. It's the five-year high school <laughs> like unofficial reunion, and they hoodwinked me so that I would show up, and I was very salty. Very. Oh, upset. so your friends, your friends lied Straight to you. Straight up, yeah, they led Ooh. me there on false pretenses, and I was very mad because, like, not only did I just not want to be there, but I also looked like a bum because I was wearing like sweatpants and yeah. a, a hoodie. It was bad news. And now. None of those people are your friends anymore. I have to. I have to imagine. No, they they're still. All, they just. No, they're listening to this podcast. Too, probably. <laughs> probably. No, they they get my uh my yearly call out like, hey, do you guys remember when you did this to me? That sucked every year. Yeah, and then and it's well deserved. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. But I did have a. I had a stretch of a couple years where like the first couple times it wasn't intentional. There, I will admit, I will cop to. A couple of years there where I was like, I know this is going to be the experience and I didn't necessarily want it, but I accepted it. And in some way I embraced it and that made me part of the problem. And I'm willing to admit that here. I encourage all listeners to stay home on the Thanksgiving, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. If also, also, I believe it's like a very dangerous night to be out. I don't I think I, so. I, that's, yeah, this the, maybe pseudoscience, but like, that, like car accidents go up, muggings, fist fights, all that kind of stuff go up that night of the year yeah it's like a micro purge like it's, it's people are just making really bad decisions because they feel entitled because it's thanksgiving eve I, I don't even we go back to my hometown specifically nerd bomber and i every year and i don't even worry about that all my friends have have gone away so it's just my mom that's there i think i think it's going to be a great holiday i'm illegal 86 i have nerd bomber with me i have tactic with me we're here to regale you with all things nerd pop culture before you go gorge yourself on a bunch of presumably turkey because i think that's still the culturally accepted mode of thanksgiving feast but we have indie world we're gonna we're gonna be going to indie world today not like actually physically going to i don't even know if it is a physical show but we watched the indie world showcase that's what i'm getting at we're gonna be talking about that today talking about some of the games that were shown there going through our our favorites i would imagine is what we'll do and then we have to talk about this Madam Web trailer, which came out last week and kind of swept the internet, I would say, in a not great way. But we'll <laughs> we'll get into that. I, I have no idea what your guys' opinion of the trailer was. I'm not even sure if I fully formed an opinion, but I would say the internet, and in particular, like the meme factory that is Twitter, has certainly sorted out what the public opinion is of Madam Web. So we'll get to that as well. But yeah, you know, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, make good choices and Instead of going out, sit down, pop this on your Bluetooth speaker, make a hot chocolate if it's cold in your neck of the woods or even if it's not. And uh, let's all, you know, get cozy with the Indie World Showcase. Now, you guys know, I mean, it's apparent in the title, Indie World Showcase. AAA titles, these are not. These are titles that are worked by small teams, some of which we see during the videos kind of talking about talking through the games they've made. I think a couple of these games were instantly released on the Nintendo Switch eShop as these trailers came out and as this gameplay footage came out. I think I've mentioned before, I think we've all talked before about how great that is. And in particular, I think we're supporters of the indie sphere of gaming. So let's let's run through some of these 
I guess I don't want to trample on anyone's thoughts, but did you, did either of you guys have like a major standout? I need to play this right now. Favorite, you know, yes. I, t- well, yes. tactic, I was, I was about to say when Neither, I, yes. when I see a lot of these games, I, I, I think, I think the indie, I'm going to use the term indie sphere again. Like I think when this level slash caliber of games is discussed, you see so many side scrollers. Like I think side scrollers is the, gets my blood pumping it's the it's well yeah it gets your blood pumping certainly but it's also just like the kind of generic indie game milieu most of the time so i saw a lot here that i know you were gonna like so i am particularly curious if there is one standout which one was it the one that like first and and this was obviously played first so it got me listening and paying attention shante advance that was like one it is right up my alley because I have said on this podcast before that the Game Boy Advanced is not dead. So much so that I modded my own and brought it back and I continuously play it to this day. Like, I'm so glad that the studio came back and pulled together all the pieces of this to, to finish it up because they understand that the Game Boy Advanced is here to stay. It's not a thing of the past. It just freaking slaps. This, this game has been in some form of development for 22 years. That's just the context here. If you did not watch the Indie Showcase or know what this game is, 22 years ago, when it's called Shantae Advance because it was literally a Game Boy Advance game, and now it's coming to the Switch. So yeah, this uh, you're right. I should have seen right away that this would be the one you'd you'd focus on because you're you're an advanced guy. So, and anyways, continue with your thoughts. I'm trying to think and continue to talk, but I want to say because this is a sequel to another game, but I want to say wasn't there some link the original Shantae like? It has some link, I thought, to the Sonic team, but I might be wrong. Maybe it just has Sonic vibes, and that's what I'm thinking of here. Definite Sonic vibes. I don't know of any specific connection, but yeah, I think I'm making, the, I'm making the connection up. But I got Sonic vibes. So, like, knowing how much that you love Sonic Tactic, like, I as soon as we saw this trailer, I was like, this is this is right up his alley. Now, it's certainly not a prerequisite to play this, I'm sure. But do you have prior Shantae experience? I didn't even know Shantae was a thing. I really didn't. Nor I. And I was like, oh, cool. You get to transform it. And like, this is literally very similar to the premise that like I was talking about when I was thinking about making my own online Warriors game. We were going to have Nerd Bomber turn to a cat to get through puzzles. That was going to be her morph ball of sorts. And like, you do that in this game. And I was like, oh, gosh, they did it. And I don't care because it looks so good. Yeah. I, you know, and again, there's a lot of these there's a lot of similarities across all of these games one of the similarities of all these snippets that we saw they have very limited time to show us things and you know a lot of the games that got bigger cutouts in the showcase we're seeing stuff and the developers are kind of talking over it and talking through what their process was and it's that's something that i'm not sure you often get you know the triple a big showcases they're very polished there's a lot of cinematics there's not often as much gameplay as i think you get watching these indie game showcases which is it's a quality of these that i value a lot and you know shantae like you said i think it was the first one that played and it set the tone very well for a lot of what the rest of these were going to look like so shantae advance risky revolution definitely worth mentioning i'm gonna i'm gonna go next just to mention a favorite and then i'll turn it over to you nerd bomber i had a couple that did stand out but the one that i think stood out the most and this is another one that it immediately was out it was basically hey this is out now you can go play there's also a demo i'll say right now i've had a busy week so i haven't played either the full game or the demo yet but howl definitely caught my eye both in the sense of the pretty unique visual style but in the wake of inscription i'm i i'm i'm thinking i want to go back to turn-based stuff which I have very limited turn-based experience, but I think this may have had some similarity to it that this may was vibe. cool. This literally looked like you're playing a board game and like in a right. in a game of like doing unique things, like that's a unique thing and I love that you brought up inscription because that was kind of the same vibe. And so indie developers keep doing stuff like that. It's unique and it needs to take off more more in the mainstream. Yeah, and th- this was another one that, you know, we got probably a minute's worth of footage that was kind of ended with like, hey, if you want to understand what this is, go play the demo. And I haven't yet. But like from what we saw and from what the description description I've read is, this is something that's going to be up my alley. So I definitely wanted to shout out that one. There's a couple other ones that we'll obviously get to. But Nerd Bomber, anything here specifically that Russell Jimmy's 
Oh yeah, you don't for sure. By using my, that phrase. My one thought about Howl is I just like even the story behind it. Like a sound-based plague, so the protagonist is somebody who's deaf, and I just really like when you know they build an interesting world like that. So cool. More props to Howl. Mine was Backpack Hero, though. I think you guys have kind of watched the evolution of my interest in roguelikes. I still like. I don't like very 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 difficult ones i like more of the indie style roguelike where it feels more like a puzzle you have to get things right there's not a risk of like oh i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna lose like five hours of progress because typically with indie games like you're really losing like smaller chunks of time but i also think that this has a really unique mechanic because the i guess the mechanic behind it is you get unique backpack powers based on how you organize the items in your backpack and how efficiently you're able to pack things how many items you can like have on you is based on how well you can organize your backpack and that's just super interesting it also seemed like there was a big variety of items that you could get in this game and i think that's one of those things that keeps a roguelike interesting is when you have a lot of different tools at your disposal the idea of having to go back and play the same level over and over and over again is less daunting because it's not just doing the same thing and sucking and failing and trying to learn a skill or technique, but you get to try different combinations of items. So this was definitely right up my alley. I do know, though, Tactic was a little salty that yeah. the title is how, Backpack Hero. How did they not call it Pack Rat? You're literally a rat trying to efficiently pack your backpack. It's a missed opportunity for sure. <laughs> this, this, I'm, I'm glad this one was mentioned because, you know, I, to be honest, I don't feel any particular way about this one, but I do think it's very interesting that they took a concept, a common concept in RPG games, which is, in a sense, inventory management. And they took that, which for a lot of players is considered a chore and like the not fun part of playing RPGs. And they were like, we're going to make this the fun part. Like that was, that's what I took away from it. I think that's what they wanted me to take away from it. And I think that's a very interesting, you know, subversion of, uh, I guess I'll call it a trope. So I thought that was really interesting. Also, this is another one I want to mention. It launched the day that the showcase happened, which I don't actually know what day last week the showcase happened, but this one is again already out. I want to say it was the 14th or something like that. But yeah, it, it is exciting. That's a thing that, Well, and I think we were accustomed to E3, you know, you'd see trailers and games that you'd be looking two, three, sometimes even like five years into the future. And then you like you built hype over years. There's something to be said about seeing an exciting trailer and knowing, hey, if I want to, I can play this right now. Yeah, I mean, the the footprint of these games and also the the general quality of the Nintendo eShop, which I've said on the show many times, like I just I'm such a huge fan of Nintendo eShop, like the footprint is small enough. I also think, you know, kind of like we were saying about this game, the the stakes are kept low enough. The play time is generally assumed to be relatively low. If you're going to sit down and play Backpack Hero, it might not be for hours on end. It can be, but it might not be. It just there's a much higher premium placed on tight gameplay, not as much stress. Like, a lot of these are very ambiance-focused. There's a lot of com- commonalities in a lot of these games we're going to get into that I'll, I'll try and highlight as we go through. But it's just, it's a totally different vibe than E3, you know, where every game is huge footprint, huge stakes. You're going to want to sit down and, and lose yourself in this thing. That's not necessarily what these are. And it's not to say you can't lose yourself in a game like Backpack Hero, but I don't know if that's what its intent is. And I think that's really great. So it was like, I, I want to, the common traits that I identified in a few of these games there were at least a couple games that mentioned procedural generation in in how they're laying out their maps and how they're keeping gameplay fresh for players there were a couple of detective stories which i also thought was very interesting i don't know if that genre i feel like i'm hearing about that genre more it's lately, definitely which making I'm a, a fan of. yeah and then there's a lot of like what i'm gonna call ambiance driven puzzlers you know and we'll, we'll get into some of these games specifically but i just think there were a lot of and i mentioned side scrolling too is kind of a very common thing that like there's a lot of you know bits and pieces of each of these games that are extremely common to to this genre of game i guess i will i, I will kind of mention like my second favorite one that i saw and maybe maybe the one that interested me the most was death trick double blind this was one of the detective games it's interesting in that you're basically playing as two characters which i guess is why they call it double blind you're playing as a magician and a detective both trying to solve, I believe, the disappearance of someone. I can't remember if it's a disappearance or a murder, but each of these two characters that you play as gets two different sets of clues, and you need to take the clues and arrange them in a certain way 
to avoid contradictions. So it sounds like the gameplay is very interesting. The visual style, I actually don't know if it's for me. It's a it's, visual novel. Which that's what it's referred to as. Yeah, it's a visual novel. So there's a. it seems like there's a lot of still shots that are kind of arranged and motion is involved in a very specific way to, I guess, when you think visual novel, you probably don't think what a traditional video game looks like. This one doesn't come out till 2024. This one, again, does have a demo, which I, again, have not yet played. But that was another one that definitely jumped out to me. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. We, I don't necessarily want to go in order here. We can bounce around to other ones that, I'll use this phrase again, rustled your guys' jimmies. But I guess to round out the detective stuff, the other kind of whodunit game was On Your Tail, which... This the interesting thing about this one that you guys probably noticed. So this is a it's referred to as a seaside vacation solving mysteries. Is kind of what the the 3D Animal Crossing. No, this is the the furry detectives. This is for well, it's it is furry detectives, but it does have. And I I will say I don't know if I love this part. This game kind of had a vibe of like you can solve this mystery and that's definitely the main point. But you can also like play mini golf on the beach and like make friends. I will say I don't really want to do that. I want to show up and solve the mystery. This one was interesting in that it looked like it had like a almost a card-based mechanic. You get clue cards that you have to arrange in a certain way to solve the mystery again. But like they kind of, I, like I, I get why Tactics said Animal Crossing and there's other games that were like that too. But like it was a little bit Animal Crossing in that you can, you will have to solve the mystery, but you can also do other things if you want to like, I don't know, waste time. <laughs> like it's, again, it's not something I would do. But that was another, that was the other detective one I just wanted to mention. But I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys. I've, blathered on here for quite a while what, what other games interested either of you in this in this slate because there were quite a few more so moonstone island and i know this is already out on the switch i think it came out back in september but it's going to be a switch exclusive console wise and coming out in the spring and i've seen this a couple times and it looks like a mashup of like pokemon and a little bit of animal crossing and there's procedural generated dungeon elements and it looks really cool. It looks like something I'm not really sure. Like it even has like RPG elements where you can interact with different characters. So like, I'm not really sure if you don't want to do like all of the elements, I think you can still have a fun, cohesive experience in this game, but there's so many different things that you can do. My only fear is like sometimes in these games, because they're dabbling in so many different genres and there's so many different components of the game, kind of like that Jack of all trades, master of none saying like, I wonder if it'll all do really well or if it'll kind of feel a little bit like slapshot because there's so much going on. But I don't know. There's something about this. And like even the graphic style brings me back to the OG Pokemon games. And it scratches some kind of itch that I feel like I kind of want to play this. My literal notes on this game was deck builder, farm sim, turn-based combat. Like, I agree with you. This game looked like they played a bunch of different other games and then just mooshed them all together. Yeah, this one, I'll admit it lost me. Whenever a game is like, you can farm... I'm like, all right, this isn't for me. So, like, unfortunately, like you said, it's kind of throwing the kitchen sink at it. And a lot of but the other I don't elements know if you, you have me, to but... farm. Like, that's what I'm curious to see. If, like, you have to do every element of this game or if you can kind of pick and choose. I don't want to farm. The next one that I want to mention is a Highland song. First thing is I'm a little bit of a child and I want you to rewatch this trailer with the guise of Michael Scott because it felt like every other line. I kept saying that's what she said. But as far as the gameplay goes... I thought it was kind of really interesting because they they took like Scottish scores and you're jumping, climbing and moving with the rhythm of the score. So it's it's kind of like a rhythm game, but it's using like a unique genre of music for you to kind of traverse your own path, which I thought was kind of interesting and kind of chill vibes. You know, I can always go for the chill vibes games. Yeah, this was definitely a, again, a very ambiance driven. You're you're not even necessarily playing this game for the gameplay, is what I would argue. And, and the gameplay, like you said, it's, it's rhythm based. It's a very specific thing that people may respond to. But like, I think you are playing it to be in the environment that it provides. That's And there are other games that were like this, but like, that's definitely what I would say about that one. I would say that I'm scrolling up to find the title of it because I can't remember. Planet of Lana was very similar. And like, Planet of Lana is a platformer, but it's just, it's, driven by vibes I, I do think that's what i would say about it and another game obviously much darker set of games i don't know if you guys have ever played one of them is called oh, limbo and inside are the names of the games. oh yeah they're they're side scrolly platformy games that have some puzzle elements and from a gameplay perspective they're minimally interesting but from a ambiance slash vibes perspective like that's that's what the draw is to those games that's probably what the draw is to 
Highland song. It's probably what the draw is for Planet of Lana. And that's not me minimizing what the gameplay is. It's just me saying that like you're you could play a bunch of other platformers, some of which may have more involved and pleasing elements to the gameplay, but wouldn't be able to sell as much about the environments. So I think Planet of Lana is, and again with the indie games, these are not games I would probably not pay more than I don't know ten dollars for Planet of Lana. But you know, if you go in with the correct attitude and at the right price point. A lot of these games have so much potential. So yeah, I, I did want to mention Planet of Lana. I do think Blade Chimera looked pretty good. There's something interesting about like using your weapon in different ways, whether it's solving puzzles, trying to like modify the environment around you. I think that's kind of neat. Being able to just, you know, transform and have a modular weapon, especially I'm not a huge side scroller person because I feel like I end up just like mashing buttons. But if I have to slow down and stop and think a little bit more and solve some puzzles, it could be cool. Yeah. Blade Chimera, I would, I'm tactic, you're the, you're the Metroid guy. This one probably looked the most Metroid-y to me. I think that's to its credit. My little literal comment was dystopian Metroidvania. So yeah, it, yes, it's, I couldn't agree more. This this just looks like it's one of those, if you've got that itch, here's your scratcher. Nerd Bomber, you mentioned, I think, the coolest element, which was the environment manipulation. Like, I, I just think that's extremely cool and provides a lot of re- replay value. So, glad you mentioned that one. A star named Eos, first person. This was, again, I'm going to use the phrase again, driven by vibes. This is all about vibes. Well, this also puzzle game it had like in which... Almost like a detective vibe to it, too, though. This didn't hit with me, I will say. Your it, puzzle solving... And you are mystery. You're, you're solving an overarching mystery by solving puzzles. You're also using a camera and taking pictures of stuff. I will say, I don't... The puzzle part, I understood. They show it at one point. You have to pack a suitcase in a certain way. Like, I don't know what... Why are you taking the pictures? And what do the pictures do for you? Do you have to take them a certain way? I, if they got into the specifics of that element of the gameplay and why it was necessary and what it provided, I missed it because it was clear that that was kind of the designing principle of the game is they wanted a game that was driven by photography and what I guess I'll call photographic storytelling. They said at one point in the trailer that the photos would connect you to the past. So I'm almost wondering if you could like frame up the photos in a similar way, if then you get teleported back into the past so you could like figure out the mystery. I don't know. Something about this, it looked very pretty. It just didn't hit for me, and I'm not really sure why. This one, again, this is, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it hit for me necessarily. It's one that I wouldn't pay more than $10 for, but there's a universe in which I would pay $10 for it. Like, it's, I would, I've played games like this. I'm trying to think. There's a game I played with a very strange title. I can't think of it, but it's a game very similar to this where you're traversing a story in a unique way, and the key to this game being successful is the power of the story. It sounds like you're trying to figure out what happened to your mother who is missing, I think is what it was. And the payoff better be good. You know, like there, there's a lot of games like this, you, you know, I've, I know Nerd Bomber, you've played games that are essentially walking simulators, but they're very story driven. Love them. And the story, the story has to be good. Like, I don't know that the puzzling and the exploration in this game are going to be what makes you remember it and recommend it to people. What will make you recommend it to people and remember it is probably how, how good the story is and what the story is. So obviously it's not the kind of thing they can tell you or show you very well in the trailer other than just to give you a one sentence, your mother is missing, you need to find her. But it will probably live and die by that by that element. Outer Wilds, this was one that I didn't really vibe with. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way. So I don't even know exactly what my problem was with it, but I, it was also late in the showcase. So by that point, I was like, I know what I want and it's not this. I have actually tried to play this game, and this is like a very well-regarded game. This has actually been out for a while on other consoles. I think this might be the first time that it's coming to the Switch. And I've played it. it, I think it's been on Game Pass, or maybe I even bought it at one point. I don't know. I tried it maybe a couple years ago. And the game basically throws you into this world where you're an alien, I think, on a planet in space and you have a spaceship and nobody really tells you what you're supposed to be doing and you're just supposed to like figure it out as you go and then you have a timer and the the entire world like restarts at the end of a timer and I was just everybody told me it would be relaxing and it was just stressful and I was confused I didn't really know what I was doing and so I don't think I will try it again on the switch either because this one just a lot of people love it and it's not for me I need a little bit more direction but it didn't it doesn't want to give you that. <laughs> you know that I'm essentially the same way. You know, I 
I wouldn't necessarily say I need a strictly linear story or something. I don't, I don't need guardrails all the time, but it gave you literally need, none. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I certainly need them sometime. And it sounds like this game gives you literally zero. So maybe that's what I saw in this that didn't necessarily entice me. I think rounding it out, the last one I have on my list here that we have not talked about was actually, I think the Shantae may have been first. This one may have been second. Core Keeper. Oh, yeah. This is co-op. This I think was this the one that had there was one that had like eight player co-op I think it might have been this one which is like a lot at once this one again had farming in it and I was like I don't I don't want it <laughs> so like unfortunately there's a certain trigger words that when I hear them I'm like I don't want to be in the agricultural community so I'm out honestly that's totally fine I think it is an acquired taste like I used to be like that very heavily before I started playing Animal Crossing I was very vehemently like this is boring and I don't know why I would waste my time doing this. Like I have chores that I could do around my house and this just feels like it would stress me out. And there is something weirdly satisfying. And this is, and maybe it's just like I hit a point in life where I have a lot more stressors than I used to. And it is nice to just like calmly relax and freaking like pick flowers and you don't know why you're doing it. It's just like she a hundred percent in prefers in game chores to real life chores. It's true. It's true. And, you know, you, you see a lot of games doing it because Animal Crossing was an absolute phenomenon. And Animal Crossing, you're just doing menial tasks. Like, all you're doing in Animal Crossing, as far as I understand it. Like, Animal yeah, you're Crossing, like building you're your trying house to and pay stuff. off your mortgage. It's very much like real life. <laughs> it, it, exactly. But it just, it, it scratches an itch. I think it is, it is doing chores. But if it's not doing your real chores, there's an escapist element to it that I think a lot of people responded to, especially during the pandemic. Like, it was, that's when it was such a huge deal. So, like, I do see Corekeeper to some extent trying to emulate some of that, but it also like I thought the, the the creature battles in the Corekeeper trailer like looked really cool. It just I feel like they mentioned it at the end, and it was like kind of secondary to what the rest of it was, which was like basically resource gathering in various ways, which I'm not nearly as interested in. So this was another one that I, I they in a sense they were like, what if we combined the elements of like four different games and made one game? And to some extent, you want to be like maybe just scale it back a little bit especially considering that you're an indie game. But maybe that's being unfair to Corekeeper and to its developers. It's just not one that I saw as particularly enticing. In any case, we want to know what you thought of the games at Indie World, uh, the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. So you can hit us up on Twitter slash X at OnlineWarriors1, which is our main show account. I am OWLeo86. We have OWNerdBomber and OWTactic. We're all there. We're all ready to chat with you about any and all of these games. Which one did you like the best? Which one was our opinion on just wrong because probably there was at least one wrong opinion probably from me so we can get into that as well we're going to take a short break now before we come back with the second half of our episode which will be dedicated to madam webb and all that that was but before we do that i would be remiss if i did not shout out our fantastic patreon producer mr stephen keller as one of the perks of uh, being a Patreon producer, Stephen gets this shout-out every episode. He also gets input into the weekly game segment, which unbelievably I am hosting this week. Let's not gloss over that. I'm hosting the quiz this week. It feels like the first time in, like, months. I don't know. I will check the tape, but, like, it's been a while. I had to, like, write up a quiz. It was, it was, it was crazy. My brain had, like, forgotten how to do it. Steven supports us at the highest of our three levels of support on Patreon. As a result, he gets his producer shout-out. He gets input into the weekly game segment. He, of course, gets access to the monthly secret segment and the monthly vlog. And he gets the occasional guest spot on the show. You want to be like Steven. You want to be a knight. You want to have a sword and a shield and a mace and all that stuff. If you're not quite so noble, you can also be a squire which I believe amounts to carrying around the night stuff. And that gets you access to the monthly secret segment and the monthly vlog. There's also a page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. You can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for any and all of the details on any and all of those levels of support. You can say hi to us and you can say hi to Steven and consider giving back to this show that you've hopefully listened to for a while, or even if it's just your first time and you're looking to support us, we will obviously welcome that as well. So again, it's patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Thanks again to Steven. We'll be right back to talk about Madam Web. Gorge, it's a podcast where my friend Sarah and I gorge ourselves in overanalyzing a topic. The body count. It's in su- this children's movie. It's insanely high. The reason he's able to be a good assassin is because no one would expect a gorilla to kill you. <laughs> I made the incredibly stupid decision 
to start marble hornets. And the robot says, I know where we can find your baby. It was stolen by Cap'n Crunch. He sounds like Chuck Huber. Yeah. How did you know? <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> the Gorge. Three times a month, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Madam Web. We got a trailer for this last week. This is coming out February 14th of next year. Madam Web, of course, is Sony's latest comic book inspired movie starring Dakota Johnson as Madam Web herself. The thing I've read and heard the most about this movie is what's that? I'm trying to remember what the phrase is. He was the guy who was with my with my mother in the Amazon studying spiders just before she died, which is like a line that is said by Dakota Johnson in the trailer that is like pretty patently ridiculous or and or like delivered not that great and so it's just been like when i mentioned the meme factory earlier in this episode that's what i was referring to is that i'm basically just seeing that basically as a written meme now one of the things that i got out of this that kind of fits that line and like the writing quality i guess of that line i got the overall vibe that like this really wanted to be a CW style show, and then they made it. I've movie. seen that comparison as well. Yeah, I, I've seen that comparison. This is a CW show that they made into a movie. I I've also seen a lot of Morbius comparisons drawn, which obviously is not That's what, what I this was movie wants. I did not see Morbius, but I would say the general press slash vibe surrounding Madam Web is not good. <laughs> um, so. What I've, one thing that I've always said with a lot of really good content, and we talked about this on our last week's episode with regards to video game adaptations, if you stay true to the fan content that everyone loves and is well-received, it'll generally be good. This looks like they took the names of characters and just said, fuck it, we're winging it. <laughs> like, what little I've read suggests that this is based on, like, that the villain in this story is one of the most disliked villains in comics, or at least in, like, Spider-Man adjacent comics, and Tactic, maybe you can speak more to that, maybe you can't. But, like, I what I didn't understand, and there's, let's just walk through some of the things that I thought were wrong with this. First of all, I think it's generally problematic, especially considering that most people don't have comic book knowledge going into movies like this, myself included. I, at some point, you know, I think in the that's better trailer, honestly for this movie. Well, I think that's because it, it, it doesn't seem like they've taken any inspiration from the comics. Well, hold on though, because what, what the point I'm trying to make is like, we get a certain amount into this trailer and the quote unquote villain character, or it's later made apparent that this is the villain appears and you look the character up and down. And if you're me, I'm like, oh, that's Spider-Man. Because he looks like Spider-Man. It, it looks not like Spider-Man. weird knockoff Spider-Man. And I, if you're a villain or even anybody tertiarily related in the universe of Spider-Man, which I'm assuming this is connecting back to, why would you make a costume that looks just like Spider-Man? Because it... Okay. So eh, I think that's sort of something that they haven't... They're trying to make you think it's a certain actor, but it's not. I think that is supposed to be Ben Riley, a.k.a. the Scarlet Spider, a.k.a. the clone of Peter Parker. And, that that, and, and I think that's read. supposed to be this big surprise that they haven't revealed yet. And they didn't want to give that up in the trailer. Is that this is, a Thomas Wayne? Is this a Michael Keaton is Thomas Wayne situation waiting to happen? Because we remember Ben Riley. Ben Riley has a large role in the Madam Web comic books. And so, and if you look at this Spider-Man-esque character, another name for Ben Riley when he, when he, when he first comes in as like an imitation Spider-Man, he then takes on his own persona as, quote, the Scarlet Spider, because he's got this reddish color. And what did we see? A reddish color guy that looks like Spider-Man. This screams Ben Riley to me. I thought he was black. I, it was, the lighting was bad. But let's, let's pivot over to Madame Webb herself for a second, because I want to understand her. What I what I gleaned from this trailer, again, not having any comic book knowledge about who this lady even is, is that she has what I would call precognition. Yes. Is she's clairvoyant. She's clairvoyant. Now, is that a power that she got from spiders? Like, I'm asking very basic questions. Did she get that power from spiders in the same way that Spider-Man got his spider sense from being bitten by a spider? Or is she just, is it different? Madam is Web what I want to know. is 0% spider. She is a mutant with clairvoyance. So why are they putting her in a spider web? 
Yeah, so that's that's well, my point right there. That's confusing because everyone's well, going to look the at the thing about and say, so, she's Spider Woman and Ma- she's not. No, Madam Web takes inspiration from her last name, and so she kind of took on that persona of Madam Web. She's a clairvoyant like old lady with ads that like all of these like breathing systems and stuff that makes her look like she's in a web. Dakota Johnson's not old. That's where that's again, they are completely <laughs> not yet deviating from the comic books. And so that's one side of it. And then here's the other side of it and why I have trouble with this. They're trying to develop several characters that all have their own in-depth backstories on how they got their abilities in one movie. That is a yeah. lot and it's going to do none of them justice. It's just going to be, here's the kitchen sink situation. That feels very much like... Spider-Man a, 3. That too. And no. like DC failure. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, speaking of justice, it sounds like what the Justice League did. And we know how that went. Put some respect on Spider-Man 3 and my guy Tobey Maguire. Yes, I, they had many I, villains. I picked but that it was because great. it's pertinent to this universe. They So what you're, the characters you're referring to, I assume, are... The trio of girls who seem adjacently connected to Madam Web, like one girl lives in the same apartment building, etc. And then halfway through the trailer, it becomes apparent that they have suddenly all gained some kind of superpower. Yeah, so none of this is spoilery because it's all on like the IMDb on who they are and what their characters are. So Sydney Sweeney is playing Julia Carpenter, aka Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman got her own set of powers from a, quote, secret government group that accidentally injected her with um, spider venom and like exotic plant serum and that's how she got her power they like picked her and like watching her because she's athletic and they're like we're gonna see what happens and then she got spider powers that's like a whole storyline celeste o'connor aka maddie franklin is another spider woman in the show she got her powers from eavesdropping on norman osborne basically and getting hit with the experiment he was trying to hit himself with. And then she got Spider-Woman-esque powers. That's her own backstory. And then let's throw in a third one because why the heck not? Isabella Mer- Merced. Merced. She plays Anya Corazon, who's Spider-Girl. And she got her powers from a s- secret spider society that were trying to heal her with a ritual. And she got powers of a spider from that ritual. It's like magic stuff. So, like, completely different backstories on these completely different characters, and they're going to flesh all that out in a movie? In one movie? Yes. Do you know what I feel yes. like they're trying to why. do here? They're trying to yeah, make I it, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where you have, like, your young group of spider girls, and then you have your wise, clairvoyant, older person, which, I'm sorry, Dakota Johnson is not old enough to play that kind yeah, of role, can, but hey. still get it. Here's the thing. Uh, nerd bomber they even drove around in a van in movies people need to be hot <laughs> they have a van in movies people need to be hot old ladies not hot dakota johnson hot like it, i'm i'm looking at this movie and this trailer through the lens of a very misguided sony executive walking into a boardroom and just kind of saying to a group of people we need a comic book girl power movie make it happen and then he just like walked out and everyone was like what do we do and this is what came out. They should have gotten Meryl Streep, though. Again, no hate on Dakota Johnson, but if you're going to follow the backstory that Tacta kind of gave here, like, Meryl Streep it. Pay the money. Well, the backstory Mer- that, that Mer- I really I think... I like the phrase... I don't Meryl know what Streep story they're that. doing. The thing I think they are doing, though, is definitely the clone of Peter Parker. Now, I have more data that supports this theory on the movie. If you look at the, the cast, you'll also notice Mary Parker, a.k.a. Peter's mom... And Ben Parker, a.k.a. good old Uncle Ben. And so the data suggests that there's 100% a tie-in to Peter Parker. His DNA is definitely floating around somewhere. And so why the heck not? Scarlet Spider, I'm telling you, he's coming. Calling it now. Lock it in. In canon, in canon, I had this question too, because it appears, we, we see Adam Scott for like two seconds in this trailer, but in the two seconds that we see him, he appears to be like a cop and or FBI agent. Is that Ben Parker's That's typical ben backstory? Parker. Because I, I, Ben Parker, in what I know, he's just an old uncle who's, like, retired. <laughs> like, I, like, if he had a past career, which I guess I'm sure he did because he was a person, I don't know what it is. So, like, I don't know either if, like, is that... I mean, I'm going to Google it right now because I, I desperately want to know, like, is that his he worked, canon? He worked as a carnival barker at Coney Island, apparently. 
And then he went on to join the military and serve his country as a soldier. Okay. Boy. Yeah, I mean, this, 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 is, this is exactly what I mean, is like, they, and again, the Justice League, I think, was kind of like this, too, where, like, they want to have their cake and eat it, too. They want to, like, make a new story of, like, all these fun, young characters that the kids can relate to, and also, we'll put in Uncle Ben for the old folks who want to feel connected to this movie. Like, and by the way, I don't really feel, and as an old person, because I think I am an old person in this scenario, I don't really feel connected to any of it, so... Well, I, especially if you're trying to tell me that Uncle Ben is... Adam Scott? Yes, thank you. I completely... I like Adam Scott. As Uncle Ben, like, I'm sorry, I don't connect to that. Adam Scott is Parks and Recreation. Adam Scott is not Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben was a frail old man. I don't relate to that. That, I wouldn't call him frail. He was definitely strong. Uncle Ben was frail. Let me counterpoint that because... uh, So I agree that canonically, Uncle Ben is like... The kindly and wise old uncle. And keyword old. However, look at what MCU Spider-Man did with Aunt May. Like that's Aunt fair. May used to be okay. Rosemary yeah, Harris, who was like this very old lady. And she was kindly and she was awesome. And then she was, uh, what's her name? Sally Field, who was like an older lady who was kindly and awesome. And then MCU was like, heck that noise. Make her Sexy hot. Aunt May. <laughs> yeah. Like, so like, and, and granted, Adam Scott is not someone I think most people would consider Make him hot. sexy, but like, they're like, make him young and cool and edgy and police. Like it's, it, I don't know. It feels like it's, it feels like they were like, let's do what the MCU did with Aunt May where they made Aunt May hot, you know, like, I mean, like what I'm saying is that it's possible to like kind of reinvent the character's backstory, even if in the small way of like making Aunt May hot, but like, I don't know that they did it here, <laughs> like, or that they did it effectively. I don't. I mean, look, I don't want to just sit here and crap on Madam Web this whole time, but like the the comparisons that I've seen, which like, yeah, one of the main comparisons I've seen, which is you said, Nerd Bomber, is like it looks like a they were forced at gunpoint to turn a CW show into a movie. That feels like a very very apt comparison to like what this movie is or what it looks like it is. And same with the Morbius comparison. I don't really know much about Morbius, but like thinking back to the Morbius trailer, which I'm sure we talked about on this show, this looks kind of like that. And you, you do have to wonder, like, in as much as they are Justice Leaguing it, where they're like, all right, many superheroes at once. At some point down the line, Sony's intent is to tie this stuff in with Spider-Man, correct? I think so. Would you say at this point, considering the Venom movies and now this, and I believe Morbius is also intended to follow this path... Would you say that they are doing that effectively? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, right? Like it's, you know, the MCU, the bottom line is everyone's trying to emulate, the, emulate what the MCU did, right? The MCU, people give them crap a lot and understandably so for what is in the industry referred to as the stinger, which is like the post credit scene where they pull towards the next movie. I th- I'm starting to think that them kind of pioneering that was the whole that was like one of the keys to their success and now it's it's made fun of and it's you know maligned because it is so kind of universal and repetitive in the mcu movies but like i don't know they built a very well connected group of characters and right now the sony thing is missing entirely like well, i know venom had a post-credit thing. scene but like it or was, was it spider-man that had the post-credit scene with venom in it mm-hmm. i don't even remember what it was well it's tough like when you think about it sony they only have the rights to a very small amount of characters. Its main character is now part of the MCU. And that's a very interconnected kind of self-fulfilling bubble. It's very hard to replicate the quality of the MCU, even if it in its waning quality yeah. now, like it is held to a higher standard and provides a higher standard yeah. of cinema experience than a lot of other superhero movies that we've gotten in the past. I just don't think like Sony is trying to do the impossible and ride the coattails of the MCU and it's just falling flat because you don't have the, I don't even think they like have a plan. I think they're just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. And it's a complicated setup, right? Because of the fact that Spider-Man is also in the MCU, which is astronomically more successful. Like, I don't know what their plan is for quote unquote pulling Spider-Man out of that universe and into theirs because I would think that's what's going to be required for this to work in the end. I don't know if that's possible. Like, I don't know if that can be done in a very good way. It, like you said, it almost feels like they're like, you know what? Keep making these movies and we'll figure it out at some point. Which, again, is definitely not what the MCU did. The MCU had a plan, or at the very least, they had a plan up until, you know, Endgame. I'm not sure their plan is as good now, but that's a whole other conversation. But like, it, it, 
Madam Web feels like a symptom of a larger issue, as, as many of these movies often do, right? It feels like it's this movie is pasted on, and the movie itself might be okay if the intentions were a little bit different. But the intentions right now are, this is going to tie into something later, so just make it and don't worry about what it itself is. Which kind of sucks for Dakota Johnson. Also, she should be older, because that's the uh, intent, intent of the character, and that's that's the origin of the character, I should say. It's the source material. So... Yeah, Madam Web, this is a Valentine's Day release, which again, like I said, I guarantee you a Sony executive walked into a boardroom and said, we need a girl power superhero movie and it needs to come out on Valentine's Day. So also, it, it is a, a bunch crazy, of money. it's a crazy Valentine's Day release. Like what? And we also didn't Morbius come out like around Valentine's Day too. Like I, 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 I want to look that up because I think Morbius was also like a dead of February release. Did it really come out on April 1st? Did it really come out on April Fool's Day? Or is that in and of itself an April Fool's joke? I can't it remember. It literally did. Did it? It appears to have literally come out on April 1st, which is I mean, maybe they insane. were resigned. We were like, they were like, we know this movie's a joke, so might as well. I guess it just feels like it came out in February because it wasn't good. In any case, yeah, Madam Web, February 14th, 2024. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, it's like, it's it's a meme, at least until the next trailer comes out and tries to dispel the memeiness of it all. So that brings us to What Are You Up To Wednesday? This is the part of the show where we talk about what we've been up to. And I think I might have started with Nerd Bomber last week. I'm going to... The long story short is I'm going to start with Tectic this week. So, Tectic, the floor is yours. Regale us with your exploits. So, my weekend was kind of filled with like a lot of personal stuff that I don't want to kind of bore you guys with. But the main thing that I want to give a shout out to is, is Brunch. You know, brunch places, they really, really be doing it. It's its a great little weekend kickback, meet up with some friends, enjoy some liquor beverages, and have some breakfast food. You can't go wrong. So that's really all go I wrong. got. No, you can't go wrong. I'm, I'm, I think I've said on the podcast before in a secret segment, I'm not a brunch person. I'm not like crapping on your brunch experience. I just I think I'm not engineered for brunch. Why? Like, is it the early he hates drinking? Fun. We've established. That. Is it the breakfast? Food I do hate. You're not a well, fan of like. I'm trying I, to I do hate it. fun. I don't like eating large meals early in the day, so that's but definitely like a lunch. big part of it. If you're going if any earlier lunch, than like noon, you're doing it wrong. But if it's lunch, then it's lunch. This is my problem. I have a fundamental problems with brunch. If you're saying go at noon, then it's lunch. And I'm gonna get lunch food. I'm a broken person. I'm a I'm a broken person. Did you person. never I, I, did you I never have brinner breakfast for dinner? Are I'm you like vehemently I've against it. that? I'm not vehemently against brinner, but like I'll tell you, I used to do that when I was younger. Like my mom would be like, "We're doing brinner." I in my adult life, I don't think I've ever once done it. And no, I are you against like about that. the sweet aspect of like breakfast? Do you not like waffles, pancakes? Do you not like breakfast sandwiches? Like, do you want something more like savory? I'm trying to figure out what kind of like breakfast food would entice you well, to go to brunch. I don't think that's the issue. Like it, when I've because I have gone to brunch, when I go to brunch, I have options. Like there are sweet options and there are savory options. So like there's going to be something that fits the bill for my palate. I think it's less so a palate issue and more so like Whenever I like go out and have a big breakfast or a brunch, I'm like, it sets the course for my entire day in a way that I don't care for because I feel like I need to either take a nap or like I sometimes feel nauseous because I've eaten so heavily in the beginning of the day. I have a very delicate little body <laughs> and and brunch brunch is is an assault on, on that concept. So I think we should just leave it at that. Like we can maybe on a secret segment, we can get into my problems with brunch and you can try and psychoanalyze that because it seems like you really want to and i'm open to that well, but the thing uh, is, this, like, this might I, not be the right forum we need more brunch friends and it's sad that you don't like brunch i just i don't know i don't know i don't know what to tell you also i like i like a mimosa don't get me wrong i'm a, you know i'm a human being i like a mimosa but brunch also one of the common like there's a line in justice league which i know we just talked about as being a bad movie but i like this line where the flash is like talking about how he doesn't understand brunch because you go and you wait in line for an hour to have basically lunch and my god i've never empathized with a fictional character so much who's in any waiting movie that yeah who, where are you going bro are you kidding me like sunday brunch it's like an event you, you, which you guys are proving my point like it's everyone's going to brunch just because it's brunch no, and so I'm, it's like, like we got our thing. food without within like 15 minutes 
I think you I just go to bed. I've right had a lot. I've had a lot of experiences with brunch where it's like, what if we waited for like over a half an hour? No, I don't do that. I can't do that. Anywhere I go, that's too long of a turnaround. I don't care what meal of the day. If you take longer than a half an hour to serve me my food, we have problems. Well, I'm certainly glad it didn't happen to you. I'm just saying that that has been part of my my body of negative experience with brunch. So anyway, I'm tactic. I'm glad. I don't want to take the spotlight away from you. I'm glad your brunch was successful. I enjoyed it. Very good. Yeah, PSA, go to brunch. Let me know if... This is a good, like, at OWLegal86 on Twitter. Like, tell me uh, tell me about brunch. Like, either commiserate with me or tell me I suck. It's really one or the other. I feel like people are going to have a strong opinion either way. So, I, I invite that. I had a similar, similar week slash weekend in the sense that, like, it was really jam-packed with a lot of adult responsibilities and, like, also my little brother got married, which is, like... It was a thing that happened to me that I'm willing to put into my update, but also it's not like fun for the listeners for me to be like, I was in a wedding, you know, like it was, it was, what I will say about it is that I, I stayed up until past one in the morning, which if you know me is a big deal. The last, was it the last wedding I went to? There was a wedding I went to within the last year where I went to bed. I I left the wedding and went to bed at like 8.30 PM. Uh, Left at 8.30? Was it your own wedding? Yeah. It was not my own wedding. I had to stay at my own wedding. No, it was a wedding and it was actually at the same venue that my little brother's wedding was at. So I kind of like, I came back to like kind of conquer those demons and I did so successfully, but also we're now sitting here the day after the wedding and I'm probably never going to drink alcohol again. Like I'm not hungover necessarily. I was, I'm not now because this is like evening time, but you know, it's one of those things where like, it was a really fun day and in the, in the hours immediately following, I did pay for it a little bit. That was that. Uh, I also started a new show. That's like the main thing I wanted to shout out. And I've only watched one episode, but it's a very interesting show. And I've mentioned on the podcast before that I'm really into murder mysteries right now. And a show premiered on Hulu. I think it's technically FX on Hulu, but I don't really know what the dividing line is there. Called A Murder at the End of the World. Now, this is a show. It kind of, it seems to be following a very similar sort of, I'll use the phrase designing principle again, of like Knives Out where basically a bunch of very specific and interesting people get together at a very isolated location and they're invited by a rich guy and someone dies and then the protagonist has to find out who was who who did the murder basically one episode in it does seem pretty captivating so i'm definitely going to continue with it i believe there's currently three episodes out so i have some catching up to do but again I had a lot of responsibilities this week, but I, I'm going to be kind of going through that and I'll probably be providing more updates on how that's going in the coming days. And then, you know, kind of prepping for Thanksgiving because that's like nearly upon us and I have, making some plans for that. I have a question for you, though. So last week you said you were downloading God of War. Have not started it yet. Okay. okay. Thank you for asking, though. I pre- You're keeping me honest. Haven't started it yet. More so I'm Again, just that's excited not- for you. I know it's not like your top priority. There's a lot of stuff going on, but I'm just very excited about the possibility. What I will tell you is that it's completely downloaded. You'd love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the skids are greased. If I want to play it, I can go on, get on my console and just zoom right into it. So I will keep you updated on that front. I'll swing it over to you, Nerd Bomber, to finish this out here. All right. So we too started a new show, Silo. And this show has actually been out for a little bit. This is based on yeah. a Hugh Howie book. This is on Apple TV Plus, uh, the Wool series, Silo series. The book that I read initially was Wool. I think that the series is called the Silo series. And essentially, without giving too much by way of spoilers, the show is based on a society that is living in an underground silo. Nobody really knows why they're there. All information and objects from the quote unquote before times is strictly forbidden and has pretty much been wiped from the society's knowledge and on different levels of the silo you know there's different types of jobs you have the mechanics down below who are keeping the entire like the turbine generators running to keep the silo up and going there's farms there's you know the medical levels every person basically has a job and the only like major rule and obviously there's like laws and stuff but the major major rule is that you cannot leave the silo you cannot go outside and if you ask to go outside you're basically sent out in a suit and you have to clean the sensors and the cameras which show an image of the world outside and it's basically a death sentence because they show people you know every time you go outside they die and in a way, this too 
is kind of framed as a mystery. I don't want to necessarily get too much into what the mystery is because I feel like, especially if you haven't read the book, going into the show, not knowing a whole lot about the characters and the, I guess, mysteries that need to be solved makes for a more interesting viewing experience. And Tectic, you know, as someone who didn't read the books, would you say like kind of going in blind, is it a different like I kind of know what's going to happen. So I'm like sitting there waiting to see how they're going to like carry these things out that I already know are going to happen. But from your perspective as a completely new person to this IP, like how how are you saying like how do you feel about the way that this is laid out without giving spoilers away? I don't know that I can tell you that it's a different experience had I have read it because I haven't read it. But as far as like the way in which I'm experiencing it, a lot of it so far seems like not real to the human experience if if that makes sense like these these all of these people in this world are basically conditioned to not ask questions but in my opinion the whole human experience is to be inquisitive and to ask questions so the fact that the society has been this way for at least a hundred years it seems troubling to me that there isn't revolutions basically all the time so i, I watched this show mm-hmm. i don't know if people remember but I'm really curious to hear have get your thoughts on it. You've read the book, so like it sounds like Tactic yes. doesn't really know much. But like, I, I'm I've read, not the, read book? the book. I do. Okay. I have not read it. I I want to eventually. I don't. I don't even want to tell you. I'm sure I mentioned what I thought of the show after we finished the first season. Uh, like I mentioned it here, but if you don't remember, I'm gonna kind of put a stopper in my overall thoughts on the show for now until you guys get done with it so we can see kind of if we're on the same page might be a good idea for like a secret segment or something like that to kind of just do a, a full debrief on it maybe a spoiler spoiler event on you know what we thought did you it. like but it or no like can you give it that that's upper? well that's kind of what i that's kind of what i don't want to say but like i will say probably not i will say i don't think i'm not sure i'm going to watch season two because there by the way there will be a season two but like, I don't know that it, I've watched many better shows in the past couple of years. Let me put it that way. I will say there is something, the experience of reading the book, I just, the way that the characters are portrayed are definitely different. And I remember when we, I read the book and granted, I read this book years and years ago, close to when it first came out. Cause it, the actual story behind, you know, the novel and how it got published is very interesting. So Hugh Howie actually like self-published on the internet, his story, like it was just like free and open to read online and then eventually that it got bundled into like book format and then became like a published work and isn't that to some extent what happened with the martian as well or maybe that's just how the author of the martian got his start it was a very similar situation yeah it like the martian the wool slash silo series all kind of they were some of those first internet books that kind of made the transition into traditional publishing and super like i found that super interesting especially like it wasn't that common at the time when that book came out and i devoured the book like i loved it and there is something i can't really i don't know what exactly is missing in the show i don't know if i am as attached to the characters as i was in the book I think that might be my biggest thing. What I will say in support of that is that I think my overarching emotion while watching a lot of the show, you, you you get a sense if you know that it's based on a book, which they make pretty clear in like the opening credits and blah, blah, blah. Like it will make you wish that you had read the book. <laughs> I think that's like the thing I think most about that show is that there, you watch certain scenes and you almost think, boy, I, I wish I, that probably would have been really cool to read. Like there's I think a lot, a lot of, of it would probably translate better. There's a lot of details that they obviously like in TV, you kind of have that problem where you can't go off in an exposition. And even in like books, you have to find a good balance. But like you can't go off on like a paragraph to describe the culture or the society and how it works. Like you have to kind of infer how that works through the characters. And yeah, I just don't know if it all necessarily translates. I mean, but the, the, yes, some of the one of the laws of like storytelling in television is show don't tell. But sometimes you need to tell like that. And I, th- I think there are instances in the story of Silo or, or Wool or whichever one it is that like, I think that's probably necessary. I, I don't know. And, you know, I I don't know what was changed between the 
book and the television adaptation. I assume there ha- there were changes or maybe even just subtle changes that were made. I will say there are things about the show that I think are great. I think the production value is very high. The cast is good, but like it left me wanting mostly to have read the th- read the story rather than watched it. Which I definitely recommend. It's an amazing book. So go read it. And the show's not terrible, but if you read the book, it's just a different experience for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair a fair spot to to leave that. So that brings us to quiz town unless do you have any more updates to provide no that's the big one i'm hosting the quiz this week i'm also extremely appreciative of the topic that was chosen i assume because i've mentioned how much i like er this topic was chosen the topic is michael Crichton, and we'll get to an er question in a second but before we do i want to go through the the quiz tracking the records nerd bomb are currently 12 and 10 top dog tactic at 11 and 11 i'm at 10 and 16 so i kind of suck that hasn't really changed and steven three and one so Nerd Bomber and Tech Tech basically fighting for the top spot. Me kind of just on the outside looking in at this point. But hey, I'm a good sport most of the time. So I will uh, I'll pick up the quiz questions here. You know the drill. All prices right style. We will have Nerd Bomber go first to give Tech Tech a slight advantage. Everyone gets either a single plus one or an answer of one in the course of the quiz. So without further ado, my first question, of course, is going to be about ER. For those that do not know, Michael Crichton... One of his more popular, probably most popular television products and one of the most popular shows of all time was ER. He was the writer and I think at times the producer on the show. How many episodes of ER have been made in total? This is like a redonkulous number. I thought, right. I think it was on for a while. And this is back when like seasons were longer too. I'm going to say 200 episodes. 201. Come on. Using the plus one early and it was effective. I believe ER had 15 seasons. And like, as you mentioned, you were correct. Seasons of television back then, I think had like 24 episodes or so. It had 331 episodes. So the show was a big deal. And I can confirm that having watched it. I believe my wife and I are currently on season eight, but I don't actually remember. So like we're more than halfway, but also we might stop soon because kind of it's like getting worse and a lot of the main cast has left. In any case, that puts Tectic on the board with an early lead. One of his more famous novels... Michael Crichton is a novelist. One of the more famous novelists, novels that he wrote, which was obviously adapted in the Spielberg film, is Jurassic Park. Do, 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 How many pages was Jurassic Park? 742. Absolutely not. 200. I'm going to use 200 again. Yeah, a Harry Potter book, it was not. It's coming in at 399 pages. He turned in a 400-page draft, and his editor said, you got to cut some out. And so it became 399 pages, so... Nerd Bomber's on the board, and it is tied up. Sticking with, you know, famous Michael Crichton properties, the first film that he wrote and directed was Westworld, which went on to be adapted for television in 2016 by HBO. But as for the film, when was the film originally released? Not the TV show? The film, yeah. I already told you when the TV show was released. I know, but I don't. I didn't even know there was a film. Uh, 1970. No, 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 no. That doesn't make sense. I'm trying to think of like when he obviously then was alive. No, 1990. And T-Bone. So we got for This was 2001. You know, guys, actually, 1970 was a great guess. Really? 1973. How old no is way. he? No way. What? Uh, well, first of all, he's well, guess, no longer alive. He's yeah. no longer alive. That's not a quiz question. He has passed away. But uh, it was, remember, it was the first film he wrote and directed. He had quite a long career. 1973. This movie famously was, I think, the first movie to use... 2d computer generated graphics i don't believe this movie was necessarily a critical or commercial success but obviously it went on to inspire a lot and ultimately inspired the tv show down the line so no points there you're both tied at one and we'll move on to question four bearing in mind the answer you just got his first novel titled odds on was published under a pseudonym he used very often early in his career john lang when was odds on published 1962 1963 an extremely effective plus one 1966 so you guys roll over it you know he he made the jump to to film soon after that obviously but that was when his first novel was published under the pseudonym his first novel published under his actual name i believe was the andromeda strain and i believe that was in the early 70s but that's not a quiz question uh the andromeda strain of course also inspired a television show and i believe a movie at some point but for our final question Nerd Bomber is in the lead two to one. Final question is once again, once again about the Jurassic franchise. The most recent of those franchise films is Jurassic World Dominion. What was the worldwide box office gross of Jurassic World Dominion? Three hundred million. Is four hundred million a plus one or no? 
Boy, that's a very philosophical question. <sighs> I think I'm going to say no, but it's not great. I mean, it's a hundred million away. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is the math of it. If you want to answer four hundred million, I'm I'm not going to stop you. Nerd bomber, I'll let you weigh in. You do you, boo boo. Four hundred million. <laughs> okay, you had a lot of room to wiggle there. Worldwide, guys. Worldwide. We're talking one billion dollars. Oh yeah, I know. I just I oh. wanted to keep it tight. <laughs> 1.004 billion dollars so the jurassic franchise for all of its critical not so greatness is doing just fine commercially uh well it's two to two that brings us to our tiebreaker question which will be a text in question and i need to pull up a statistic here because i know what the question is but i forgot it so just give me one second okay here we go as an adolescent Crichton felt isolated socially because of his height how tall was michael Crichton? It doesn't actually say, but I'm going to guess it's how tall he was as an adult. We're going to go feet and inches for the units, by the way. We do have a winner. Uh, The winner was very close, actually, with their guess. So it's interesting. You guys both took my question intro to mean very different things. He was socially isolated because he was quite tall. Technic weighed in thinking he was a short king, as we (laughs) call them these days. He had 5'2". Nerdbomber guessed 6'6". 6'9 was the correct answer. Nice nice also this another interesting fact i just want to toss in here perhaps relatedly in 1992 michael Crichton was ranked among people among people magazine's 50 most beautiful people what now? so i think i i think you would call him a tall king but in any case uh nerd bomber takes it home her lead in the quiz game it seems to grow so tactic moves to 11 and 12 nerd bomber to 13 and 10 and i remain at 10 and 16 we'll pick it up next week with nerd bomber hosting the old quiz rooney and in the meantime, we want to thank you all for joining us and, uh, you know, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell your wife, tell your husband, and uh, stay safe and keep on podcasting.